I'm speaking to Nicole Engelbrecht, producer, writer, the voice behind True Crime South Africa. Nicole won Best True Crime Podcast at the Association of African Podcasts and Voice Artists. So, congratulations, Nicole. It's it's a wonderful award. How do you feel after winning something like that? It's amazing. I mean, you know, I think for me, the fact that it was, you know, firstly an African award, it was, you know, for our continent, for, you know, in an industry that's really just starting out, but we've got so much talent. Um, you know, I think for me, that was one of the of the greatest parts of the recognition is that it's, it's really about being part of this sort of, pioneering generation, if you can call it that, you know, of African podcasters telling our own stories in our own words. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm really, really grateful. And after years of doing this, I mean, you have mm. been giving life to true crime podcasts in South Africa, Miss Pioneering herself. Our listeners now also know about true crime because we've got True Crime South Africa, the Afrikaans of Yerkhav, and I'm doing your Afrikaans. And I'm reading through these scripts, one and a half hours, 30 pages, one episode. So tell us what goes into writing one week's episode. Sure, yes. It really differs from case to case, and some are a lot more labor-intensive than others. Um, It really depends on the complexity of the crime, if it's solved or unsolved. But, of course, it all has to start with the basic research. So, you know, that will be going on to platforms like Safley, getting the judgments. The judgments from the cases are always really good to have because it gives you a step-by-step step breakdown of the evidence. So that's always, you know, the first place I go to to see if I can get um, the judgment on the case, which is unfortunately not always available. Um, and then other research in terms of the, you know, articles that were written about the case, I will then, you know, bookmark those and then go through, you know, if there's a book that's been written about the case, that's fantastic because that's lot, lots more detail if possible, chatting to some of the people involved. And once I've really got all of that done and, you know, in one sort of Google Doc, then I'll start building a timeline because the timelines are always interesting, especially when it's an older case. Then I'll start, you know, mm. writing writing the script. I hear a lot of I. I don't hear a lot no. of me and my whole team behind me, the <laughs> researchers that I've got helping me. Do you want to tell me it's you? Yeah. It's you doing all yeah. of this? It is, yes. Firstly, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I think that, um, <laughs> that plays into it. I, have, I must say I have had numerous people offering to help me for free with research. Um, on occasion, I have taken them up on that. I just really need to sort of formalize how I would use those that volunteer help, which I'm very grateful for. But at the moment, it is me doing it. Um, but for me, it's also really important because of the subject matter to make sure that I'm getting the facts right. I don't for a minute think that no one else could do that. I think, you know, of course, they can. It's just a matter of, 
it's my name on it. So I really want to make sure that the facts are right and ultimately the responsibility, you know, rests with me. So yes, at the moment it is me doing pretty much everything on the research side. I am often when some people um, suggest certain cases, they'll be really great and send me lots of links to articles, which is very helpful. But yes, it's it's Nicole doing the the research and the writing um, portion of it at the moment. So Nicole chooses it. Then you do the research, you read the books, you read all the judgments. Then in your head, you start writing the script. And then you also narrate it. You also tell the story. You also read the script. Mm -hmm. So it's you from Mm -hmm. the beginning to the end in this one case. And I can say 100% of the time, it's not a nice thing (laughs) about a nice case, about something nice that happened. It's in Mm. your head the whole time. Yeah. 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 It's, it's certainly a rough subject matter. Um, Some of the cases impact me, I think, and stay with me more than others. And some Mm. are more difficult to deal with than others. And there's certainly been cases where I've got halfway through the research and thought to myself, I don't know if people are actually ready to hear this. (sighs) So, yeah, it's, I mean, there are some cases that, and often it's, it's not the cases you'd expect, mm. um, you know, that would stick with you. You know, one example I can give is the Nivotville, um I would call it a massacre, but it was a, the house robbery where uh, three people were killed and one person was a, an attempted murder. And I think that one really stuck with me because there was a child involved and and the mom was there, you know. So it's, it's really, I think it's not always the cases I expect to stick with me that do, but, yeah, it's, it can be rough dealing with, with the subject matter on a daily basis. And I know that not everyone can do it, so I'm grateful that I sort of seem to have the emotional resilience to be able to, to do it. And do you? Week after week? <laughs> well, I'm okay at the moment. Um, <laughs> because you also do this from your house, right? So I do, yeah. It's, like, it's not like you can escape. It's not like you leave it at the office and I go back right. home and now I can forget about it. It is in, it's, it's between your walls. Mm, 100%. It's, it has become my life, to be honest. Um, you know, even when I'm not physically working on the podcast. Obviously, I I run a lot of social media platforms for the podcast as well, and I'll often get messages from listeners. You know, so it really has become, it is, it's certainly not a job for me. It's become Mm. ingrained as part of, of my life, really. And have you ever gone there and said, no, I'm not doing this? Or do you go there and say, well, these are the facts, deal with it? I'm going to put it out there. This is what happened. It's don't kill the messenger sort of thing. I'm just going to tell you the story now. Um, So in terms of, you know, there have certainly been cases where I've felt that it wasn't the right time to talk about it and certain Mm. pieces of information that I've chosen not to share. (laughs) I will only ever do that if I think that it may be harmful to to someone who, you know, has already been victimized. Yeah. 
Um, you know, also sometimes in terms of the offenders. You know, if the offenders have already served their times and been released, I'm not, I don't want to create a situation where I've suddenly got thousands of people hunting them down on social media. That's mm. not my, my purpose. Mm. So I will often leave out information about um, what the offender is doing now, where they are, etc. Simply because I don't think that 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 serves the victim. Um, you know, I've, I've always got to go back to that when I make these decisions about what to talk about and what not to talk about. Um, you know, does it serve the victim? And if it doesn't, then I'll leave it out. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's a basic decision-making pro- process around it. So whether you tell your thousands of listeners on a podcast the facts or not, you carry it in your heart. It is with you. Mm. You have gathered that yeah. information and you cannot unlearn something that you have now learned. So mm. what do you do to get away from this part of your life? Um, I think the fact that I have quite a few different sort of, um, sort of I don't want to call them jobs, but I mean, I also write, um, you know, business articles. So that gives me, you know, for a couple of international clients, that gives me a breather, mm. you know, so I can do that in between. And then also my other podcast, um, I Live Through This, which I only recently started, that's got a more of a positive slant because that's survivors telling their own stories. And I think that gives me a great breather from the more intense and often tragic stories that I tell on True Crime South Africa. So, yeah, those are, those are definite breathers for me. <laughs> Nicole, I, I'm yeah. more thinking in the direction of watching soapies. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> no, yeah, I was about to say, unfortunately at the moment, well, fortunately at the moment, I've, got, I've been so blessed to have so many opportunities coming my way that I'm really... You know, 90% of my time at the moment is focused on grasping all of these opportunities mm-hmm. with both hands. So I'm not, you know, I'm not really doing a heck of a lot of, um, you know, hobbies and downtime and all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, true crime is such a, a passion for me that if I was going to have downtime, I would probably be watching a true crime documentary <laughs> or listening to a, a podcast or reading a book, you know. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess my, my pets as well also do give me some, mm. you know, a place to go, my, my dog and my cat. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's where I am at the moment. And, and it's working for me. I haven't crawled into a corner yet, so... We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I know being in news, I always have to remind myself that this is a true story, especially when there are hectic crime stories in news. You tend to go yeah. blunt because I cannot get personally involved in this. Otherwise, I will not physically survive this news bulletin. I need to just put it out there, tell people the news and go on. But you run that risk of becoming a blunt person because you just shut down and you just do your job. So are you you scared of that? Because I think the things that you know, even though you don't tell us that, and that you learn every day, how how do you prevent not becoming – a a true human being in showing mm. the emotion, but at the same time, you, you cannot just s- surrender to it. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it is something that I keep in you know, in the front of my mind all the time and you know, I never want to lose my empathy for either for the victims or the offenders, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, so that's something that is always at the forefront of my mind. I I do see dealing with with a lot of the people that I've I've had the honor of coming into contact with that work in um, you know, SAPs or as forensic pathologists, you know, those types of people who do this as a job, yeah. you do often see how they have, through necessity, they've actually become quite distanced from their own emotions. Um, you know, so, and I think that's something that I need to guard against as well, but I'm well aware of that. And do you find yourself becoming more guarded with your own life, wanting to keep yourself more private? Do you look over your shoulder? Do you have conversations with friends about keeping themselves safer? Do you warn them against something that you are busy working on? You know, that kind of thing that it spills over in your private life like that, that you you look at the guy driving past your house and think, hmm. I've seen you drive past already, you know. Does it become an automatic reaction to what you do? Yeah, I think uh, looking back, I definitely think that I have I've become more, much more aware of, of certain things. So that's been one um, sort of um, side effect, if you can call it that. Yeah. I am a very naturally a very private person. So the whole publicity thing has been actually quite difficult for me to, to come to terms with. Um, I do, I, I don't know that I, that I keep myself more private because of that, but I also don't, I've never wanted me as a person uh, to take over the, the points of the podcast. So yeah. I never want sort of the, the Nicole Engelbrecht host, podcast host, persona, to be more important than the stories that we're telling. So that's something that I always, you know, try and fall back on. But in terms of, you know, seeing red flags and and that sort of things and situations, the, the knowledge that I've gained, I certainly think has helped me to be able to advise other people on... Um, you know, listen, I, I think that you should think twice about this situation that you're in, um, you know, or even just referring people to the right sort of resources. And I, I get a lot of that. You know? I get a lot of people, my friends and, and family and listeners approaching me and asking me for advice, which, you know, from my point of just being an ordinary citizen with some knowledge, I'm, I'm very happy to do but yes, it's, it's definitely impacted the way I think and the way I, I conduct myself. If you have to give tips to people who want to go into podcasting, and I think the first probably trap is to not let yourself become bigger than the podcast. There's a reason why you're doing that podcast, whatever it is, and it's not necessarily about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very delicate balance, I think. Um, so I do, I've sort of sort of fallen into mentoring quite a few people who 
have started their want to start their own podcast. Um, I'm grateful to be able to do that in the true crime space and other niches and genres as well. And yeah, there's there's definitely something that I I would warn people against is you know making sure that you always keep the focus on what you're producing rather than trying to make if if for if you're setting out with the the intention of becoming a celebrity, then you might have a problem mm. because you know it's going at the end of the day your listeners are going to engage with your content. Yes, it is important that they also um, you know sort of buy into who you are as a person, but they're engaging with the content and the content needs to be consistent and you know well developed, well researched, all of that sort of thing. You know, so I guess I guess you've got to decide as a podcaster, are you looking to have a bunch of friends listening to you talk every week or are you look, looking to access an audience of listeners who are actually interested in your content? Mm. Mm. Okay, so I want you to think not about any of these questions and give me your first answer, all right? <laughs> what is your perfect weekend? Hmm. I think probably um, <laughs> oh, you cannot tell me that you want to read crime books. I will not accept that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's been so long since I've actually done anything except. You do stay in Cape Town. Please just give me an outing to the beach. Give me that one. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with taking the dog to the beach. That sounds good. Um, eating at some awesome restaurant, you know, like maybe Italian or something like that. That sounds great. If you have to spend money on one thing in a shopping center, if you walk in and you can spend money anywhere, where would you spend the money? Oh, probably a bookshop. Oh, you yeah. see? And Book will shop. it be a crime novel? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Either a crime novel. I do enjoy biographies as well. Um, biographies are really nice. And anything psychology related. Um, really love the psychology side of things. You were born to do what you're doing. You know that. <laughs> I think I was, actually. Uh, so many of my interests and my skills and patterns actually sort of play into it. Favourite overseas place? I have to say Italy, even though I've never been there. Um, But probably more because of the food than anything. (laughs) Which is probably also where you will find a true life mafia crime story. (laughs) Yes, so there's that that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nicole. And thank you very much for spending the time with us. And Thank you for for making these podcasts part of your life because in doing that, you've made it part of our lives and you've given us something that we didn't even know we wanted to listen to. The theater of the mind, just you've opened it all up again and may it go from strength to strength. Thank you. And you're doing such an amazing job on the podcast. I'm so proud to have you voicing the Afrikaans version. Um, And I really hope the listeners are enjoying and loving and finding value in the stories. Um, Again, people find it strange to use the word enjoying in connection with true crime. Mm. But, you know, I think we can 
enjoy the elements of storytelling and find other value in, in this, this type of content. Thanks, Nicole, and have a good weekend at the Cape Town Beach. <laughs> <laughs>